three, two, one, open the beer. All right, we are live. Welcome to A Drink to the Past, episode 88. This is the coolest podcast on the internet. I do not have my uh, notes in front of me, uh, so I forgot what I said in the ubiquitous opening monologue, so I'm going to have to wing it, which means I already have to drink. The, uh, hello, Internet. Your name is Spamo Man. As always, your host to of Drink to the Past, the only podcast where Chris lives. Oh my God! I haven't updated that in two weeks, have I? That's what I said. Like, like, I guess it was more than two weeks ago because we didn't have a podcast two weeks ago. We were off on break, so <laughs> apparently I forgot yeah. to update that a couple of times. All right. Well, anyways, welcome, Internet. My name is Spamo Man, or Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, on various mediums. Uh, and we are joined today by my glorious co-host and uh, special guest, Mr. David Wayne Nystrom. So, yeah. Uh, Always a good time to have Dave on the podcast. Go check out his uh, content over on Zelda Dungeon. Awesome stuff. All right. So, I'm going to get streaming here on Hellblade. Is that making any sound for you guys? That's not making any sound for me. Let me listen on the stream here. It's making kind of a lot of... Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty loud on the stream. Okay, I'm just going to turn... I want to turn it down or something. So we don't have that all getting in the way. Okay, yeah, that'll be fine because I don't probably... The, the game is actually a lot better with audio. This game is incredibly... Like, the, the, the audio matters a lot in this game. But I'm not going to worry about it just now because I'm, I'm mostly just streaming it. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked out this game, I actually just posted an article about it on TGPZGaming.com. So check that out. Um, this is uh, what I believe to be one of the most important stepping stones gaming has ever taken. So uh, check out my article there for my full thoughts on that. And uh, play with headphones. It's better that way. So yeah. Uh, What's the next part of the podcast, Chris? Uh, next part of the podcast is Sean drinks something stupid. Oh yeah, we, let, let's actually we could actually go in order for once. Yeah, wow! Instead of me like <laughs> thinking I know what I'm doing and then screwing up and, and doing something else instead. So uh, Sean drinks yeah. something stupid today. Is uh, I'm jumping on board the hard seltzer train. Oh man! Uh, so I've got this uh, Cosmo with cranberry orange flavor hard seltzer. Uh, which came from Bootstrap Brewery out in Niwot, Colorado, which is one of the most tiniest podunk redneck towns I've ever driven through. Never stopped there, uh, but uh, yeah, they make pretty good beer. And uh, I, I had one of their uh, hard seltzers earlier today just because they came in their beer mix pack with two hard seltzers. And the other one was interesting is a grapefruit one. Really just tasted like Fresca. So uh, here's a... Cheers to that one. Uh, huh. Yeah. I had a Cosmo once, but it was one of those little bottle things that I you put a shot of whatever kind of alcohol goes in a Cosmo and then this thing. Right. So it mostly just tasted like sugar water. Um, so I'm <laughs> yeah, not really I'm noticing... sure what a Cosmo is supposed to taste like. Uh, this has this nice pinkish color. Looks like pink lemonade or some stuff. Yeah. So, hmm. It's supposed to be some form of pink, and then there's a whole someone's life story like in front of the recipe. But apparently, it's just citrus vodka, Cointreau, uh, lime juice, 
and a dash of cranberry juice. Nice. Well, this tastes like hard seltzer. Also tastes kind of like Fresco. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's like some kind of lemonade-ish soda pop. It's a little tart, but not, like, overly. Why am I, like, facing into this wall? That's a weird place for it to load me in. I don't remember where I was going. Blue wall. Yeah. I think the closest thing to what you're drinking that I've ever had was a, I had an apple teeny in Paris. It's the closest thing I've had. So I don't like fruity drinks, but I'll drink apple stuff. Yeah, the frame's a bit. Yeah, I was getting a bit laggy there, probably because I'm streaming and recording and trying to play a game all at the same time. Apple teeny and Cosmo. I think think those are in the same family of uh, fruity mixed drinks. That's a little better. Uh, yeah, this game looks really, really good when you got all the high graphics settings on, but uh, being able to play it is is kind of important. So, yeah. We uh, we gonna ask what Dave here is drinking? Yeah, Dave, what you drinking? I'm drinking Night Rain by Oso's Brewing Company here in good old Wisconsin. Sounds interesting. Uh, I think I've had this one one of the one of the times that I've been on the show before I've had okay. this one. Good go to out there. Yep. I like awesome. Well, got a little bit of a kick at the end, a little bit of bite, but mm-hmm. it's uh, otherwise pretty smooth and heavy, which is my my type of beers. Porters and malts and ales. There you go. Kindred spirits here. I love me a good good dark beer. Dark, dark beers definitely sort. rank up there for me. Yeah. I don't have anything of the sort today because I'm drinking a that and this. Uh, <laughs> you have the pumpkin. complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. I love dark beers, but uh, today I've got this and my Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin, which is uh, inner string pumpkin spice ale, uh, which normally pumpkin spice ales are all kind of the same kind of generic, but this one actually is not too pumpkin-y. But it's good pumpkin forward, and instead of regular pumpkin spice, it's actually flavored with habanero peppers, which is actually pretty good. It uh, gives it a I nice want this. <laughs> uh, little bit of a kick. It's a uh, very, very good beer. So, uh, yeah. Check habanero out the Avengers. Yeah. As for myself, I am drinking old standby, old reliable, left hand peanut butter milk stout. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, tasty as always. Mm-hmm. I always fine to have a go to. This game is weird when you don't have the voices talking in your head. Now that I'm playing it with the audio off, it just feels like yeah, you're, wrong. you're just a lady exploring instead of, like, <laughs> someone with mental illness. Right, yeah. You know. uh, I, I usually have subtitles turned on, so it's weird not even saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we're, if we're actually going in order here, the next big question is, what you playing? Yeah. Other um, than Setsuna's Sacrifice. Yeah, Senua's Sacrifice. Senua's Sacrifice. Senua's, yes. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. Yeah, how dare you? How dare you not know about a game you've never played, probably? <laughs> Go play this game, Chris. Come on. It's on my list. I wanted to play. I, I've been told that it's very good and something that I would enjoy very much. It's just something I haven't had the time to get to. 
Yeah, that's fair. It's uh, that that was kind of how I was with it, and uh, it was one of the games actually that I thought I've been thinking about this game for so long that uh, now it's on Game Pass. I was like, you know what? I, that was one of the things that drove me to subscribe to Game Pass. Is like, okay, if I subscribe for the trial month for a dollar, and I don't like this game, yeah. or you know, at the very least, I figured I, I think it, I'm gonna it, like this game. Uh, you know, I'll get my money's worth for a dollar out of this game, if nothing else. And that, it, I mean, then it was just it's game like, after, game, oh, it's after like, game and it kept me subscribed. So, right. It's like watching the first episode of a show on Netflix. Like there's no cost to doing it. You have it, you have access to it and not give it a shot. If you like it, great. If you don't, it's not like you spent 60 bucks on the game that you didn't like. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this one isn't even a full price game. I think this one is, uh, around 30, uh, at full price. And I've seen it on sale down to, you know, 15 bucks on, uh, I think it's on sure. PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. So, uh, wherever you game, you can, you can find it. Post. Yeah. I just wrapped up a game. My wife and I were, I was playing, she was backseat playing um, Final Fantasy VIII over on the Switch is where we played oh, that. Nice. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII that. Remastered. That's also on uh, Game Pass. So actually, uh, we were talking about that on Discord the other day, weren't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's been an interesting time. I was well, talking about I, that with Chris a little bit too. Yeah. Well, we bought it forever ago, like last summer when Square was having their big sale and stuff. And it's like, this is one that I wanted to play. I, it was one of her favorites. And I'm like, you know what? We don't have it any other way. So let's just, we'll just download it and we can play it when we get to it. Yeah. And we, my wife wrapped up playing Paper Mario and the Origami King right after New Year's. And so I was like, do you want to start? Um, do you want to start Final Fantasy? And she's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so we jumped into that and, and they finished it. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. We were stuck on the the final boss for a couple of nights. Uh, got some help from uh, from Taylor, good old Gift Blue Hawk. Yeah, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's a uh, he's a fun guy. Yep. But he. Uh, Go follow. I put a put out a uh, put out a cry for help on Twitter, and he came to the rescue. <laughs> and lo and behold, followed his advice and beat the boss that night. Nice. Just had to do the junctioning or whatever yeah which you know i i I like that but i also found when we got to the final boss well the the final boss has four phases like all great final fantasy bosses and but her last two phases one shot your one shot your um your summons so there's you you have no point in summoning you have to rely on your magic you have to rely on your physical attacks Hmm. One of the problems is they can wipe out entire magic stocks. If you have a hundred Kyrgyz stored, that gets wiped out. You no longer have a hundred Kyrgyz for that character. Mm-hmm. And we kept running into problems and problems and problems and, and you know, running out of the ability to bring people back to life because if they die for too long, they are immediate. They are completely removed from your party. The final boss, and it's 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 tough if you don't know what you're doing going in. And we didn't know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. Um, the only other thing I've got, I'm going to be playing probably a little bit of later tonight because it just showed up on the eShop 
yesterday or something. There's now a curling game on the Switch, and it's like six bucks, and I have like six hundred, you know, gold points stored away. So it's gonna just cash those in for that, and I'll be curling the night away. Nice. I gotta wonder how a curling game's gonna work. I don't know, but I'll be prepared for it. Just shuffle the ice, or (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I'm this level of curling fan. <laughs> I actually love it un- un- unironically. So. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I just never particularly got into it. It seems like that sport that comes up every time there's a Winter Olympics, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that exists. That was, that was how I got hooked on it in the Vancouver Olympics. It was on when I was off work, and I, I love the Olympics in general, so I was mm-hmm. I was watch it when I was at home, sitting at home, not working, and and I I got hooked on it, and I started following the like the circuit outside of it, and kept up with it. To this day, I keep up with it regularly. And... Mm-hmm. Nice. I, when a curling game shows up, I'm always like, I want to try this. <laughs> Is there anything else you've been playing other than Final Fantasy VIII? Not really. Uh, like I said, we just wrapped that up. So I'm, we're kind of like between games right now. We're finishing up a show um, on, on Netflix, um, Alice in Borderland. Mm-hmm. We're finishing up episode seven when I came down to get ready for the show here. And I was like, I'm not going to wait for you. I'm going to watch the next episode. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. So, yeah. that's all I got. I've been right. playing uh, not a ton, uh, but I started Ghost of Tsushima yesterday. I'm not very far in, like an hour in, but it's uh, it's a very interesting game so far. I'm actually really digging it. Um, it's uh, set in this kind of feudal Japan kind of era where there's Mongols invading your island and they kill most of the people you know and kidnap your uncle and stuff and... Then you're thrown into like it's it's kind of cool how it's like this terrible horrible bloody you know war and everything bad is going on that could possibly go on. Out and, of the family members I would expect to get kidnapped, Uncle would rank pretty low on the list. Right. <laughs> he and uh, Link have something in common. Right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in this case, he's kind of the uncle that raised you after your father died, so he's, he's more or less your father figure in the story. Oh, okay. Um, so that to contextualize that, that makes a little more sense that way. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting how there's all this death and hatred, and everybody's killing. There's gore everywhere. It's awesome, and uh, at the same time, like uh, you're um, just running through one of the most beautiful, colorful worlds that there's ever been. There's flowers everywhere. It's like wow, this is just nice to look at, despite all of the death and gore. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's kind of got that interesting dichotomy going for it, but it's really fun to explore. I, I looked up, I, I walked up to the top of a hill and found a flower, and I, I instinctively tried to find a Korok under it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's how that goes. So, yeah, that's, uh, what else did I play this week? I played a little bit of Final Fantasy VIII, because uh, I started that. And, uh, that was interesting. I haven't got very far. Uh, a couple other characters are sort of annoying. So I'm like, 
Eh, just stop it. Just, just stop bitching. Just, just... There, there's a lot of annoying characters in Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> Quit being a teenager, you dumbass. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but Selfie is amazing. Don't don't hate on Selfie. She's okay. my girl. I don't know. I'm just gonna one. say that now. Is Selfie the girl you meet? She's the. She's the weird. Uh, she, she's the one who fights with like oversized nunchucks. Yes. I, okay. I thought she was, but it's been mm. it's been a while since Hilarious. I played like, my Final Fantasy VIII. You get her right at the start of the game. Uh, yeah, right yeah she's like wishes. yeah, she's like your second or third character that you pick up. Okay, but there's yeah, a so moment. I, there's I a got moment. Her in the party, there's a, but I haven't actually used her yet. So there's a moment later on with her where she is um, where she's piloting a ship, and that's all I'm gonna say. Because that was like my moment of I love this girl. This is amazing. Okay. Here you go. But. Yeah. And, oh, uh, you finally had the chance to play Dead by Daylight, Sean. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, that's what else I was trying to think of, because I played that with you and Josh uh, last week, because our D&D night fell through, so we were like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, booting up Xbox to see what games I have. I'm like, I have some kind of multiplayer thing, don't I? We, You know, I was thinking Stellaris, but I was like... I don't know, Stellaris is okay, maybe we'll... And then I saw, oh yeah, I installed Dead by Daylight, because Chris was talking about it, so we we played a few rounds of that, and that was interesting. Uh, real kind of a unique game. Uh, the, the idea of kind of four versus one combat is kind of cool. It also just mechanically sort of reminds me a little bit of Left 4 Dead as a stealth game, almost. Uh... So it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I didn't play the killer at all. Uh, but you know, the three of us were kind of working together to power up the generators. We escaped like once and mostly we got our asses kicked for, you know, whatever. But then a couple of times I'd be like the guy that the killer would realize was totally shit at this game. And he'd pick me up and put me at the exit so that I could get points. <laughs> I was like, I sucked that much, <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, anyone who's playing a Dwight and acts like that, they're like, "Oh, you're new at the game. I'm gonna throw you out the hatch so mm -hmm. you get so you get points." Yeah, level up, get more gear, get more characters and shit. So, yeah. What you been playing, Chris? Other than Dead by Daylight, because you played Dead by Daylight with me. Didn't play Dead by Daylight with you. Well, uh. As we were getting set up before the stream here, uh, I was I picked up Soul Calibur Six on Steam and I started playing that, and I'm pretty sold on it. I'm like, kind of getting back into like Soul Calibur One, Soul Calibur Two days. It kind it almost feels like that, but it also has like the character creation stuff. Back in the day, uh, you were the only guy I knew that had Soul Calibur Three because you were one of the few people I knew that cared about the PlayStation Three. Uh, that was. PlayStation 2. Soul Calibur 3 adds... Uh, I picked up one of the earliest copies, which had a glitch that would corrupt your save file. Nice. Uh, continuously. Yeah, it's kind of lame. I yeah, remember pretty when annoying. Soul Calibur 3 came out, I was just like, oh, but there's no link in it. What's the point anymore? <laughs> well, there's no link in this one. There's a, there's a Geralt and there's a Tubi. Okay. But uh, Hold on, Tubi's in this game? Fuck, I'm buying this game. Yeah, she, she's a DLC character, but... Nice. 
yeah, that's cool. Um, and Geralt, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Witcher show. I've got a little tiny bit into Witcher 3 a couple of weeks ago, but uh, not enough to really say one way or the other whether yeah. I like it yet. Um, it's it's interesting, but uh, I don't know. The, the story mode is the sort of thing back when 10-year-old me was playing on the Dreamcast, the original Soul Calibur, what I loved. And today uh-huh. I'm just like, Oh man, the dialogue is very cheesy. I remember playing Soul Calibur Five, and the story was like, it was like bad considering it was a fighting game. Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like the I feel like the plot isn't bad, but the uh, character dialogue is painful. I felt like everything was bad about Soul Calibur Five story, so. Yeah, so I'm so this game's a step up in that. A regard, step up in I that, would say. Yeah. Uh, Soul Calibur Five, I remember, was fun, but it just I don't know. It never really grabbed me like Soul Calibur Two or Four did. Four was really really cool. I don't know. Uh, something about the character creator I really liked. Uh, just making new guys all the time. So the character creator in this one's really good. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it was funny because I actually made, I don't remember what character I used now, but I, I used one of the characters and like made Link in that with one of the characters, but it wasn't quite the same as having real Link in the game. Because but, you can't use like a bow or toss bombs yeah. or that was some of the permanently ring shit. people or just ring people out super easy because he had that really cheesy throw. Yeah, if you used his regular, I remember that now. I was such a dick. <laughs> I would have used that when I could. Uh, yeah, but enough enough strolling strolling down those those memories. Uh, I've also been playing, and playing is kind of a stretch here. Uh, AI Dungeon, mm-hmm. which is probably a game that I have not been this sucked into, if you can call it a game. Uh, I haven't been this sucked into something like this for probably years. Hmm. Uh, And it's just particularly the dragon AI, which is the most powerful of them. Uh, You can it'll you can write actions or say things and it'll respond almost as if another human was on the other line typing back at you. Uh, is this the is this all text based? It's all text based, yeah. It's it's ba- it's in the text adventure style, but you can type basically anything and it will respond in a reasonable way. Okay. I think I've seen some guy uh, some playthroughs of that somewhere where they were making more of a pedic run. <laughs> yeah. But but uh I gotta you can pick up party members and tell them to do stuff and watch them kill enemies. Uh, and you can try lot. You can try lots of actions. So you can try downright weird stuff, hmm. and it'll it'll basically just handle it. So I, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it. 
That's interesting because one of the things I've had problems with text adventures in the past is like you'll think of something and it, like it might even seem reasonable and then you'll try it and and the game will just have no idea what you're talking about. It's like input not found or it's, you know something like that. So, so I'll I'll see if I can find a good example here of a of a, just something I had gone through. There was something where it was uh, I was hired by like a rich family to exercise a demon from their daughter. But the guy kept on calling me Jacob and I was like, my name's not Jacob. And he said, okay, Jacob. I said, if you call me that one more time, I'm going to cast a spell and I'm going to remove the, your memory of the name Jacob permanently. And he said, and he acted, started acting very nervous. He's like, all right. We're not going to do it. I said, all right, where, where's your daughter? And she's like, he's like, uh, she's in here, Jacob. So then I cast a spell to remove his memory and accidentally, like, destroyed his brain. <laughs> I went, oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, I'll fix that later. So I... <laughs> I dealt with that situation when I came back and I gave him his memories back and he's like, oh, here's a sapphire. I'm paying you for that. Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> That's interesting. I wouldn't expect it to do that, you know, go that far. Yeah. Instead so, of calling I, you I, Jacob, I, he just started calling you Jake. <laughs> yeah. It, it 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 does do that. The mm -hmm. game. Uh, so it's at the point where it's no longer just a novelty. It's actually legitimately pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So, and also I've been playing Mordhau and Dota too. You know, just good old standbys. Oh, and I. Oh, one more game. Final Fantasy Nine. I did start on that last Saturday. Everybody's playing Final Fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I have never played Final Fantasy IX before, and I'm kind of, I feel like it has stronger intro than eight. I feel like the character, I already like the characters better than I like most of the characters in eight. And th th I'm, I'm saying this as someone who is fond of eight as a game. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm interested to see what happens with it. Nice. Right. Is that everybody? I think so. So. so shall we get on to our next whatever's going on? Our news and booze? News and booze indeed, which means we have yeah. to rate our booze now. So uh, this is one of the better hard seltzers I've drank. I haven't, I'm not a connoisseur, but every now and then my wife doesn't finish one, so I drink the rest of it. <laughs> so uh, this one is better than most, I think. Um, I'm going to give this uh, 12. Damn. Which for a hard seltzer is good. So three to seventeen, David. What do you rate that beer? Uh, eleven. It's yeah. It's kind of right down the middle. Nice. Not spectacular. Not terrible. Mm -hmm. But definitely a good solid standby. There you go. All right, uh, Chris. You've probably rated that beer a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been consistently rating it fifteen. 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 Yeah, I'll I'll rate it fifteen. I'm like I'm used to it now. It's no longer like a new thing, but it's still good. Right. There you go. 
let's see. All right, and what's the first piece of news and booze there, boss? New, new Pokemon Snap release date revealed April 30th. Uh, from the Pokemon Twitter, you'll explore the Lentil region, uh, whose islands hold everything from dense jungles to vast deserts. There, you'll find plenty of Pokemon and their habitats waiting to be studied. Yeah, so I thought this tweet was kind of interesting because uh, it's letting us know that it's actually in a brand new region. Uh, and so I'm wondering if this will become like a canonical region, if they'll ever explore it in the mainline games, or if it'll just be one of those spin-off things like Orange Islands or something. Uh, but either way, it's kind of neat to just see that they've made this new, you know, its own region uh, for new Pokemon the, Snap. The original Pokemon Snap in its own unique region, or was that just labeled as like in the Safari Zone or something? Um, I think it was technically Kanto, because at that point when it was made, there was just Kanto. It, it only features Pokemon from right. Kanto, obviously. So, uh, and, you know... The maps, I feel like you could figure out some place around Kanto where all of those particular areas were. Uh, so, as far as I know, it's just somewhere in Kanto. It, uh, and you also have some links here. Do you want to show those off? I have links? Yeah. What do I you have links to... I don't know why you have links here. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't look at them. Right, let, me, let me look at the podcast notes. What the hell's going on here? Uh... There are four of them, and are there were oh, yeah. multicolored Pokemon pinups. Snap links? Oh, it must have just copied when I copied the tweet or something. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, let's see. Uh, new trailer for Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury highlights a new area added to the game, which appears more open and explorable than the rest of the game, as well as Mario working together with Bowser Jr. to solve puzzles and fight enemies. Then Bowser turns gigantic and Mario goes Super Saiyan to fight him. What? It's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> you watch the trailer, that's exactly uh, Mar- what happens. No. <laughs> oh, Bowser my. goes like hardcore metal Bowser. Bowser goes calamity Bowser. Right, yeah, that's one of and... the terms that people have been throwing around. I like that. <clears throat> calamity, calamity Bowser. Bowser has he given up turned on reincarnation. Into, like, <laughs> an amorphous spider mist thing. No, it's definitively Bowser, but he's just like like death metal Bowser. Um, <laughs> like I, I like gigantic. The like the 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 climax of the trailer is this you know face off for the 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 kaiju battle of. Of giant Mario in cat suit with Super Saiyan hair versus giant Bowser surrounded in darkness with flaming eyes and it's just—it's kind of awesome looking. It took only I want to say about twenty-eight years, but they finally have an answer to Super Sonic. <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. Shall we move on to the next one? Uh, Yeah, I think that's all we have for that one, right? Alright. Bethesda announces a new Indiana Jones game in development, co-developed by Machine Games, a Bethesda subsidiary most well-known for the Wolfenstein series, and Lucasfilm Games, new moniker for the game studio working with Lucasfilm IP. 
So you, you say it's you think it's LucasArts? They just changed their name? Yeah, that's. What I, I, mean. I don't know the legal situation around that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the entire deal of the situation, but basically, uh, Lucasfilm Games is something that they announced that was kind of vague. It sounds like they're doing the same things that LucasArts did back in the day. Uh, except it's been a long-ass time since we've had an Indiana Jones game, and uh, obviously Star Wars has been all EA-developed for uh, almost 10 years now. It's the last game, I think, was 2011 that was not developed by EA. So, yeah. Yeah, because uh, Disney had that licensing anyways, deal. Yeah, I liked Machine Games' take on the Wolfenstein games, uh, so I'm kind of excited oh, to yeah. see... Uh, what else they can do because uh, uh, somebody was bringing it up uh, I'm trying to think of who it was but uh, you know uh, you know the Wolfenstein games are all about killing Nazis and, and who better to you know help you know kill Nazis than Indiana Jones right it's like they're moving from one Nazi killing game to another this is going to be awesome uh, so I love Indiana Jones I grew up on all the films so I'm super excited to see that uh, I think that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, uh, this might seem like sacrilege here, but I only ever saw the first and the fourth movies. Uh, the first one having traumatized me when I was seven years old, and then uh, the fourth one being, you know, bad. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like yeah. one of the few people that was like, it was okay. Okay. <laughs> I did not like it a lot but i was like for for how it was made i didn't hate it i i feel like it went in a weird direction that i don't necessarily think indiana jones needed to go but like as the a fourth movie, one it was, yes it was I... fun enough it had you know enough cool scenes that i was like whatever the special effects are neat you know i got my ticket paid for by by you know, just the wacky bullshit that happened with the... Like, I mean, how can you not love that scene where that dude gets, like, all the fucking ants eat his face off? Right? That I don't awesome. remember that. <laughs> it was, like, the best part of that movie, though. So, you know, <laughs> one random guy dying being the best part of the movie does not speak much to its quality. <laughs> yeah... Hey, I, I feel like you're talking about the mummy when the guy gets eaten by the scarabs. Uh, Is that what you're thinking of? No, I saw Because I don't remember a guy getting eaten by ants. Too, but it was definitely... Yeah, I was like, because right when they went to the jungles or wherever, they uh, one of the bad guys got pushed off because there was a bunch of, like, giant-ass fire ants. and uh, they. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Okay, this it's been a while. I feel like that might have been Temple of Doom, and it, but it's been a while since I've seen that one. Yeah, Temple of Doom's the one where they uh, rip the guy's heart out in front of him, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that that's uh, one I still haven't seen. Ali <laughs> So, uh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully they do do the Indiana Jones game justice. Yeah. I liked uh, yeah. a couple of the old Indiana Jones games. There was a fun one on Game Boy Color that was a kind of a... 
The Infernal Machine. Yes, Infernal Machine. That one was pretty cool. Um, and I had that on Game Boy Color. I know some people that have played that on. I, I think it was also on some of the, like the like the main consoles as well. I just don't remember which ones. Huh. There was also another one on original Xbox. And I'm trying to remember what that was called. I don't think it was Infernal Machine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Now I'm trying to think of. Maybe it was. Maybe they were Indiana Infernal Jones Machine. and the Infernal Machine. Yeah. For Game Boy Color. Yeah. I, uh, and also, there was a really fun young Indiana Jones back on NES that I played a ton as a kid. So, uh, yeah, I am on board with more uh, Indiana Jones games coming out. Honestly, the game actually looks pretty good. I'm watching a video of it right now. The, uh, the Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, not the new one that's oh, coming yeah, out. Oh, yeah, I was like, they dropped a, really, or a gameplay of any kind? Because the, <laughs> the, the one reveal trailer they have is like, kind of basic it's literally like, oh hey look it's a map and it's got indiana jones's hat on it you know something it's like and then the whip i feel like yep. it gives away less than the 10 second elder scrolls 6 trailer we got a few years ago you know the, the one where they say we don't actually have anything come back right. later it's just like elder scrolls 6 is in development it, here's a shot of like it gives the landscape briefly it gives away as much as the Metroid Prime 4 trailer. Right. <laughs> exactly the same amount. Is that uh, yes. Bayonetta 3 there, too? <laughs> what is it with game companies and being like, here's a thing. It's happening. Probably not for mm-hmm. years. Ubisoft announces <laughs> development has started on an open-world Star Wars game. This will be the first non-EA Star Wars video game since 2011 when their exclusivity deal with Disney began. So I'm guessing EA is on Disney's shit list for fucking things up? Could be. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Uh, so yeah, I'm okay with other people making Star Wars games. Um, I'm yep. not like a diehard Ubisoft fan or anything, but like, I don't know. Probably I mean, bad. And U- uh, Ubisoft I mean, is only marginally better than EA. I feel like mm-hmm. so. But I mean, open world and Star yeah. Wars, I'm fucking sold. Yeah, I mean that. Oh, I'm interested to see what comes of it. Yeah. Uh. We probably don't care much. King of Fighters 15 announced, and a character trailer was dropped for Shun A, with more information coming next week. Yeah, I looked this uh, up because I haven't played a King of Fighters in quite a while, but I really liked the series back in the day, so I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Shun A, I guess, was uh, introduced in King of Fighters 13? Uh, or 14 or something? So, he's not a newcomer to the series, but... Uh, Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. Maybe I'll check that out because, uh, like you said, Soul Calibur Six is kind of you know bringing you back to the Soul Calibur. Maybe maybe this yeah. will bring me back there. I I don't know. There was always something about Soul Calibur where it's like the three D fighters. Mm-hmm. I somehow am able to do better with them than I am with the two D fighters, mm-hmm. and it may be because the two D fighters require precision, which I don't have. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and the 3D fire fighters, they're not more forgiving, but I feel like there's more angles of attack. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember, I do have fond mo- memories of playing uh, the King of Fighters on the Wii Virtual Console. And uh, us playing the same character and uh, you not being able to tell which character was which. I don't remember playing King of Fighters with you at any point, so that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we were both playing uh, the character King. Okay. And the uh, the alternate colors were a black suit with like a red outline and a black suit with like a green outline. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, and me being red, green, colorblind, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think you threw your hat at me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm interested. interested. I'm interested to see what comes. King of Fighters. 14 because it's on game pass now so i i haven't tried it out yet but i downloaded it so i can see what they've done since i haven't played since the playstation 2 been a little while <laughs> it has been a little while yeah you got any say thoughts on this dave i've never played a king of fighters game the closest i've come is to playing terry when he came to smash so <laughs> Okay. I was like the one Fair guy enough. who was That's hyped for that because I was like, yes, King of Fighters! And then other people were like, yeah. yes, Fatal Fury! And I was like, oh yeah, he was in that too, I forgot. Because yeah. I played like one Fatal Fury at some point and I played like a buttload of King of Fighters back in a PS2 generation. So Fatal Fury was... I remember playing that on Sega Genesis and he was like one of three characters you could pick out. It was Terry Bogard, his brother, whose name I forget, and then their friend... And those were the only three characters you could pick. Huh. It was uh, kind of a weird game. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World The Game becomes the most successful limited-run games launch ever, selling over 25,000 copies in its first three hours. Holy yeah. shit. So this was announced earlier today by the head guy of limited-run games on Twitter. So I was like, yeah, it's pretty sweet, man. All right. Uh, well, I hope it's not entirely sold out yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the pre-orders are open uh, for the entire six-week period. I don't know if they're going to have uh, the uh, every special edition available that whole time, or if it's just going to be the regular edition. Uh, I got my pre-order in, so I am fucking psyched for this. So are you fighting, like, your schizophrenia demon, or...? Um, this is Falravin, which is an ancient Nordic god of, uh, shadows and illusion. So, um, more or less the story so far is that, uh, Dillian is, uh, Senua's lover, uh, was one of the few people that, uh, kind of ever cared for her. Uh, in a meaningful way because being mentally ill in this age she was kind of treated mm-hmm. as, as an outcast like uh, like everybody called right. her cursed and so ow um, anyways uh, then a buttload of uh, like 
Vikings came and invaded her village and fucked everybody up, killed Dillian, and so now she's on a quest to Helheim to bargain with the goddess Hela that it was not Dillian's fault and he should be, you know, able to return to the living world. So, but in order to get to Hela, first you have to uh, fight your way through Surt, uh, the god of fire, and uh, this guy is Falravan. So, slight boss fight spoiler here, but uh, this combat is fucking fun. Yeah. That's intense. Mm -hmm. Got any thoughts on uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game, Dave? Uh, I... I'm a big fan of the movie. I saw the movie. I read after I saw the movie. I read the comics um, and really loved all of them. Um, I, so, but I never, I never had a chance to play the game. Um, I don't think I would be getting the the limited edition, but I might pick it up on the Nintendo eShop or something like that at some point if I've got a few extra bucks. I know I saw it on there. It's only like fifteen bucks, so it's not a not a huge investment. I know it's kind of just the, the standard beat-em-up, but I know it's also supposedly really good, a really good beat-em-up. And so it's been a while since I've played a game like that, so I might I might dabble into it at some point. Yeah, this okay. is a game, actually, I was, I was talking about the PS3 a little earlier, that uh, this is one of the few games I remember really loving on PS3, because uh, back in the day, Chris got this game, and, and we fucking co-op the hell out of this. Uh, it was incredible times back in the day uh so i'm super excited to see it back there i'd gladly co-op that again Go, yeah. gotta love the four person beat-em-ups with leveling characters yeah now the only problem is like i ordered the limited run so now do i like wait for the uh you know my copy to ship in five months or or do i have to you know go pick it up Double dip. On, uh, yeah, I was thinking of double dipping because this game is so good and I want to play it now because it's available now on eShop, but, you know, I only have so yeah, much money. No, I, it's one of those that I'm definitely interested in. I just I don't know if I'm going to have the time or energy to go get it and be like, okay, yep. It's on the list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Uh, well, if that's all, or if that's close to all, yeah, I think so. Huh? We could dive into the table topic, which we missed last week because we were too busy talking about games we had played. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun time too. <laughs> Check out that podcast up on YouTube, Podbean, and uh, Apple Podcasts. There, I did the shameless plug for the hour. Yeah, shameless uh, plug. Everybody drink. Okay, I'll drink to that. I can't drink while I'm fighting, so <laughs> pause. Break. I'm like, I was gonna make, I was gonna make an exception for uh, unless you're in a boss fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Peasant. Peasant. So for the table topic, you've put what are the best dice, and why are they D30s? Everybody loves a D30, right? Yeah, I like D30s. 
D30s are pretty good. Seen a D30. I've I've a D100 on my phone, but I've got I've got six D30s in my dice bag myself. Gotta love them for their versatility. Because there was I got one that was like from something, and then I got five as like a package deal on D30s. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I could use six D30s. That's the minimum amount of dice I feel safe having. Right. Of like fair. a single type. I got one, and if I lose it, I'm fucked. So. Yeah. So, uh. And, uh. I don't know, Dave. What you think? So, D30s, best dice, right? I'm. Um, so, my, my experience with tabletop games is I got to go into a Pathfinder game session with a few friends for a couple of weeks um, back in my military days. Um, and then I had the, the really big itch to get involved in another tabletop, but I didn't have anybody around that would do it. So I suckered my wife into one where I made one based around my, my Zelda story and used whatever dice I had handy. Um, so there was a lot of D6s in that, but then I splurged and said, all right, you know what, let's just let's get a set of dice for both of us. And so I got like five sets of dice. So a lot of it are all around D20s, which also can be used in Magic the Gathering a lot. So yeah. I, have, I have no thoughts really on a D30, because like I said, it's not one that I it around with a whole it's not lot actually a common type i mostly put that in as a joke because i was like I have a D30 so there's <laughs> actually like the society of the d30 on the internet yes sir uh yeah and then they have like a bunch of d30 tables for using your d30 with because it's a die that's just uncommon enough that yeah. it has like some ludicrous amount of popularity <laughs> yeah was, sorry go ahead dave Oh no, you're good. Uh, so you're you're not quite a dice goblin like uh, us two. <laughs> no, not as much. I had, like I said, I bought my my first set of dice was you know uh, they were I think it was like ten bucks on Amazon, and I got five sets of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dice in each set. Mm-hmm. So that's a standard. Okay, so that, makes sense. Yeah, and that was more or less so that I, my wife and I could play without having to constantly wear down our phone batteries with dice apps and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Fair. I have a big bag of like garbage dice in my car that, so that I can hand them out to people if they need dice or you know roll them in strange fast food places late at night. And if we I lose them, I don't care. Right. Uh. But on to the actual topic, uh, what systems make the best use of different dice, and is it better to have more dice or multiple die types? Yeah, this is one of the kind uh, of things I was thinking of the other day when I was looking through all my dice, and I was like, do I really need seven dice to play a game of D&D? Couldn't they have streamlined it to make it, you know, you know, two, three? uh, Yes, and the I mean, answer to that is yes. It is kind of fun sometimes to have, you know, the all the different dice around. And, and it, it makes sense mechanically the way that they do it. Um, so it's, it's not like a bad system or anything. But I was like, you know, some systems actually just kind of make that 
a lot easier, even maybe more accessible to other people that, you know, you know, if you didn't know where to go to a specific gaming store or something to get Dungeons and Dragons dice, then you wanted to play a tabletop right. RPG. What would you have available to you? Probably everybody has a D6. If not, you can get D a pack of 10 at Target, right? So, like, right. I'm almost surprised that more uh, systems don't use that because it's an easy type of die to find everywhere for anybody. So you don't have to go out of your way for how many People have a game of Yahtzee sitting around, and right there you've got five right. D6s. Yeah, you get two more out of your Monopoly, um, right? <laughs> So there you go. Oh. And I'm the sort of person who's like, I want to have all the dice. Mm -hmm. I don't understand people who don't. They frighten me and they scare me. <laughs> uh, people should want to have all the dice. <laughs> right. But if you're looking for simplicity, I know OD&D got away with using just D20s and D6s. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, and and you and because it was based on uh, the chainmail rules, uh, you could use just d sixes and use the chainmail rules for combat, and it would work out just fine. Be just d sixes for uh, hit, just d sixes for damage, mm -hmm. and everything would work out okay. Uh, but. Uh, Geary liked his polyhedrals and added in more and more dice here and there, so you'd get D8s and D4s, and then soon enough you had the common assortment, which is, I think, is D4, D6, D8, D10s, uh, D12, and D20. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm also kind of like you, Chris, because to, to a certain extent, I do really just love having a bunch of funny dice and then you know using them all sporadically as needed to but at, at the same time i'm like mechanically it could be streamlined so you didn't have to worry it's an accessibility thing so i feel like there's you know a lot of good points either way um i'm curious on your take on this dave as somebody who's not as tabletop familiar as me and chris uh if you were getting into a tabletop would you prefer it to have lots of weird dice types or not as many so I, when I when I first started making my my Arrow Without a Hero version of a tabletop, I when I first started making that story, it was also based on based around developing a game. And when I developed it as a game, one of my buddies was also big into D and D. He was also big into magic. He, he liked that stuff, so he influenced a lot of the early like notes that I have from Arrow Without a Hero, and the a lot of the combat was based on a kind of kind of basically a, a D twenty mixed with um, Knights of the Old Republic battle system. So a lot of the old a lot of the stuff was influenced from D and D and like I said Kotor, and so my my thinking on it is just what is going to make the game function the best. Does it work best when you have a lot of dice? If that's the case, then so be it. So when I made my my Arrow Without a Hero version, you know, I looked at okay, I'm gonna use a D20 because that is the standard for 
is it going to crit? Is it going to do, you know, is, is it going to be basic? Is it going to actually fail or is it going to critical fail? And then I looked at it. Okay, well, I want to have the the triangle dice in it because Zelda and Triforce. So I, I moved in the D4. And other than that, I think I, 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 I thought of other ways to use it. Like for battles, I would give out experience points. Well, when it was, you know, essentially just my wife playing, the best way to make experience out of that was randomize the experience points that her party members and her characters get. So roll a D100, you know, roll a D100 or a, you know, whatever, whatever this one is actually called, and roll that and a D12, and we'll add the total up that you roll, and that's the experience that that character is going to get for this turn. So it wasn't... I looked at the dice that I had available and thought, how can I use these to better the game? Whether that was... Uh, to long, long, long answer made short here, does it make the game function better to have more dice? It possibly can because it gives you more flexibility as a as a creator or as a player. It gives you more uh, more routes to play with things. So I like it from that perspective. But if I were somebody that was just starting out, just playing, I would like to be able to go into it saying I don't have to invest much. Now again, you know, it didn't cost much to get these dice. It was like I said, it was like ten or twelve bucks, and I got. You know, five sets of seven dice, mm-hmm. or whatever it was, and it covered my bases. And I was able to make do with okay, what can I use these for? How can I use them? Okay, that answered it. <laughs> I think that answered it, and then some. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, uh, go ahead. Now, please. I'm now, uh, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, uh. So the rolling dice for experience kind of reminds me of the rolling dice to see what treasure you find that was more typical of like OD&D. Because treasure was directly linked to uh, directly linked to experience. It was one gold piece was one XP in those old games. So I'm like it's kind of interesting. Is this like a thing where uh, once they defeat an enemy or whatever you say, okay, you hand them the D percentile on the D12, and you say, okay, go ahead and roll these, and that's add those up, and that's the experience you get for this. Is that is that how that works? Yeah, that that's how I made it. I was just like, so okay. you defeated three enemies, roll this three times. and Or like if it was like a, specifically if it was a weak enemy, if it was just a standard Bacoblin that had 12 HP, I was like, Okay, you just roll roll your roll your D one hundred and add ninety. Okay, you rolled a ninety. Cool, add ninety percent, add ninety XP. You know, or I, you know, and I fudged it here and there, but I think that's you know that would be left up to your 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 DM's discretion. You know how how they how kind do they want to be to the player or how harsh? Because there are a couple times where my wife rolled twelve XP. I'm like, I feel bad. Roll again. <laughs> Oh, and that's again, but that's kind of like I said, that's up to DM discretion. Yeah, I'll, and I personally am pretty dogmatic about a. If you if you roll the die and you roll it out in the open, that's the way it is, kind yeah. of thing. But that 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 yeah. very is much a personal yeah. preference kind of thing. Yeah, um, playing with my wife, I wanted to keep her playing, so yeah. <laughs> have some bonus stats. Maybe ice arrows; they'll help. <laughs> uh, and 
I so and not not to get too sidetracked and do like a debate about this or whatever because I, I feel like that's a valid way to play what you're describing. But what I found is that when you roll dice out in the open and you say that's the way it is, and the players know that you're not going to re-roll it for them, they end up becoming more invested as a result because they know Fair. that whatever happens is going to happen and you're not going you're you're not out to get them but you're not going to save them uh, like and i role. yeah and i totally agree with that if i were ever you know running a game for people who were more more or less not just guinea pigs but were who are like actually actively wanting a hard or not just a hard but like a legitimate campaign or something like that absolutely yeah roll it out in the open whatever you get is what you get yeah you know, if it's if you if you deal one damage to a boss that has ten thousand HP, sorry, that's all you got this turn. You know, but <laughs> you gave him a paper cut. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> so I think moving to what I would say about the topic is I'm like is I think. I did not know you usually off this bridge. That was awesome. I think the reason the <laughs> D20 mechanic. Oh, nice. Just bring out them. Hell yeah. Like fucking like I... back in the day. Bring up more repressed memories. Try to Sorry, Chris. <laughs> I think the reason the D20 mechanic of just rolling one D20 and using that to determine success uh, ended up being as popular as it was other than, you know, its attachment to D&D, is that uh, D20 is... First, you're only rolling one die, so you get to look at the number, and you'll know pretty much immediately whether or not you succeeded. You're not rolling up a bunch of dice and adding them together. You're not rolling up a bunch of dice and being like, oh, I'm counting the hits uh, mm. in my dice pool or whatever. Um, and a D20 is also, like, a f nicely graded increments of 5%. It's like 5, 10, 20, 15, 20%. Uh, mm. So it's... And 5% is kind of what to me personally feels like an appreciable difference. Like if you go... Let's say you have a percentile-based system. If you go from like 65 to 66% in a skill, uh, you're probably going to be like, okay, I don't cure that much. But if you go from 65 to 70%, then you're like, okay, that makes a bit of a difference. It's it's yeah. you feel it more, I guess is the point. It's more tangible. I feel like having easy increments to work with like that as well are is good from a design perspective because it makes it easier for the designer to uh, balance things statistically. Uh, is something that came up because I uh, making a couple of different systems was trying to you know figure out ways to balance skill rolls and that sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, using percentiles for skills is something that I think is cool. Uh, and it, it, I feel like it upgrading them as a percentile just feels really good. That's actually one of the things that I really love about second edition of all things was the percent based skills, uh, percent based but, skills for thieves. Yeah. But then that kind of thing that you're talking about comes up. Cause like, uh, when you're, you know, assigning your skill points sometimes you're like oh well i only have five skill points to put in so i could increase five skills by one percent 
And at that point, you're you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, who cares if you could put you know five skills by one percent? That's like you're not gonna notice the difference. You know, your level up is basically not going to. It's it's statistically gonna buff you, but it's not gonna feel like it's statistically buffed you, right? Right. Right. So you're probably gonna put all five skill points into one skill if you if that's the system. You know, I keep forgetting I have a block button. <laughs> That's probably worth remembering. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I also do like the D percentile uh, systems, just uh, particularly the roll under systems, because I feel like you're not doing any additional math. You're not adding or subtracting anything. It's yeah. just roll the dice. Do you roll under? You make it. It's about as elemental as you can get in a system like that. Uh, and I think the ideal is... the. I feel like the platonic ideal of a system is where you roll a die and you compare the number to another number. Yeah. Uh, and yep. anything that involves addition or subtraction gets further away from that. Uh, anything that involves multiplication gets much further away from that. Mm -hmm. uh, anything that involves division, just don't do it. <laughs> right. Uh, don't don't make people keep, do. Keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, the old the old uh, anagram uh, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Don't that's... don't overcomplicate. <laughs> that's totally appropriate um, long way. <laughs> and, and I think part of where people start getting lost in games like 3.5 D&D or Pathfinder or 4th edition is when you start having to add up a bunch of separate bonuses and more experienced players just uh, put all those bonuses into one big bonus but uh, I found that in other games that with players that are not totally familiar with the system, they don't really have like system mastery. They, they just want to play the game, which I think is a valid way of doing things. Um, they usually get frustrated when you're, when it's, they're like, Oh, I only have a plus five. And I'm like, no, you have like a plus eight. You forgot to add the bonus from this and this. And it get, and frustrates them because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. they have to do, all this additional math just to play the game. Even if it's very basic math like addition, it gets tiring to do it every time you want to do an action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I've seen that's turned off players before as well. Uh, so uh, that's an interesting kind of thing. Would you rather have more dice or more math? More like mechanical uh like and it if, just stays here right it you uh if, if that's the if that's the the question then i would say definitely more dice opposed <laughs> to more math because math the math slows it down like not not mm -hmm. to say that you need to be like speeding through a game or anything like that but having a good pace if everybody's sitting there doing math every turn, every attack, every time they level up, 
it's going to slow it down and it's going to especially newer players or less experienced players that's going to slow that's going to lose their interest or you know like like in the case of my wife who never played but always enjoyed kind of like watching when me and my buddies would get together to play you know she was like you know one of her things was like you know i i don't like sitting around when you guys are just talking stats when you're just doing the math like that was so boring to her but she enjoyed sitting around watching us play right it would always disinterest her and i i could feel that too i was like okay if i finished my you know adding up or multiplying or whatever but then i'm waiting on you know the next guy and the next guy and the next guy to do it then you know sure that gives me time to go get a beer get a snack whatever but at the same time i want to keep playing the game i don't want to have a problem with sitting around getting a drink whatever but i want to play the game that's the point so yeah i i couldn't i couldn't agree more with that so chris also, as a guy who you... kind of agrees with that and a guy who's played hero system what do you think of hero systems take on let's just throw in 8 billion d6 instead of doing much math where you just have uh, to roll a shitload of dice in theory i would really like hero in theory i like hero system i like the incredible character customization aspect of it i like the uh I, I like the how it approaches time uh in theory i like how it approaches um like action economy where it's like oh you your speed you go at these segments of of every 12 seconds based yeah. on your speed whatever in practice i think it makes for a complicated mess mm -hmm. i think and i think that once you get above say rolling five dice at a time and trying to add them up or like count oh these ones are above a five or a six so they're hits or whatever mm -hmm. uh i think the game slows down a lot mm -hmm. so like if you're rolling say 10 dice and then you're like all right i'm gonna count you're like i'm gonna roll 10 d10s and i'm gonna count all the eights nines and tens on this on these dice and those will be my hits and i'll add those up uh that that slows the game down a bunch mm -hmm. um i don't i do think there is a kind of dice pool where you can be like all right i'm gonna roll 10 d10s and i'm just gonna find the highest die and the highest die is the one that counts and i think that can work better okay uh I'm not sure I've seen a system exactly like that because I've seen different variations on this sort of idea where it's like you get success if you roll over eight or whatever and you get extra success if you beat the number by two or, or stuff like that. So I get what you're saying, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen a system that more dice equates to a better flow of gameplay. Um, I feel like... At best, they're the same, and sometimes it's just, like, tedious to keep track of that many fucking D6s, especially for yeah. a hero system at, at high levels. Like, you're saying five dice is too many? Five dice is nothing for, for hero system, you know? For hero system, I remember making an attack against a dragon and then rolling, what was it, like, 15 D6, and then another 15 D6 for my second attack, mm -hmm. and then killing the dragon in one hit because that was too much damage, but, you know. Yeah. So it's 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 one of those double edged sword kind of things. <laughs> uh, I do 
So I like the way Unknown Armies handled it, but the D percentile system, mm -hmm. where it was they built in extra understanding for you would get normal. It was a roll under system, but then they also had matches where if the same numbers came up, so it was like forty four or like fifty five, that counted as a match, and a match was either like a better success or a worse failure, right. depending on if you rolled under or not. And then they had crits and fumbles, which were just zero one and zero zero. I think that system uh, did that well. Uh, do, does the quick you roll, you get you get everything you need to know in one roll well. Um, and then I'm thinking of another system, Greg Stolze. Uh, had a hand in making, which oh was the God, one world system. There's no nudity in this scene. Oh shit, I forgot about this. Is there nudity in this scene? I don't remember. <laughs> this might be really awkward. Please don't. <laughs> I hope there's not. I'm like, oh wait. Now that I remember, there is a, some amount of nudity in this game, and I'm like, oh whoops. This was uh not the best streaming decision but uh you know I, I i also was thinking a second ago that uh i think i forgot to update the thing so i think it says to viewers that we're streaming fire emblem shadow dragon and the blade of light because that was what we we're, streamed last week and so we people are not... coming on for the stream for shadow dragon uh are, are getting something a little more <laughs> different <than> they... <laughs> It, it's 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 a bit different. Wow, these NES graphics are great. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually it being this gory in 1990. <laughs> I actually also I think the small differences can make what are apparently small differences can make a big difference in gameplay. Mm -hmm. In terms of rolling dice, and I think that could be more couldn't be more present in mm -hmm. the uh, one roll engine versus the framework system. Yeah. And so they're both based on pools of D10s. Like, mm -hmm. you roll a bunch of D10s and do stuff. So the one-roll system, I feel, is reasonably simple once you get the gist of it. It's, uh, you count up the dice that are the, you find the dice that are the same numbers. So if you have, you roll, like, four twos in your pool, then you have a two-by-four set. Mm. Uh, if you roll three sixes, you have a three-by-six set. And then the three determines like, or uh, if you if you have what is it? Yeah, three sixes. You have a three by six set or whatever. Uh, so the amount of those dice counts for a different thing than the number on those dice. But it seems like that's pretty easy to intuit. Like you could unpack that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh. Whereas the framework system is also a pool of dice set where you take the highest die rolled unless you roll, like, pairs. It's, like, almost a poker dice system where it's, like, you can roll pairs and then you add the pairs together and that can be your total number. Or you can get, like, a straight and it's, like, two, three, four, and then you add the two, the three, and the four together. And that's, like, your total number. Uh, and it's interesting in theory, but my understanding is that in practice it's very uh it would it's very difficult because you have to be like oh do i have 
uh, pairs? Do I have like three of a kind? Do I have a straight? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a much more awkward kind of system, I want to say. Like playing like, oh, I have... for <laughs> attack You're like, oh, I rolled a 4, a 5, a 6, and a 10. Should I take the 10 or do I take... Oh, wait, that's a 15 because 4 plus 5 plus 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of... I'm like, I don't, I don't want to play Farkle every time I have to roll an action. <laughs> I like playing me some Farkle, man, but <laughs> it, yeah. it has its place, and tabletop RPGs is not it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the so only other but... thought I kind of have on this is that there is a certain amount of cool factor to rolling a shitload of dice for damage, but... At a certain point, it's like, you don't need it, right? Because yeah. in, in medium-level play, you, you know, if you're rolling a few dice, that's cool. You know, at high-level D&D, sometimes I've had cheese that has gone, you know, above and beyond what it really should. And, and you're rolling, you know, like, oh, I got all these many D12s for damage and that shit. And, and that's cool. But, you know, sometimes I just want to play a game where you're not worrying about that many dice right you're just like okay i got my attacks i got my damage and you know we're good you know what i think would be a good system sean eating tacos uh well yes if you eat it in less than five (laughs) seconds you hit (laughs) i'd be sure even i could eat a taco that fast challenge accepted somebody bring me a taco (laughs) Taco i'll have to Remember next time I see you in person to bring you a taco. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is a dice pool system where you just take the highest die out of the amount you roll, and you roll more dice the higher your stat is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of those dice are like D30s or whatever. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have really good stats, and like six is the maximum stat, so you roll six D30s, and then you take the highest D30. So okay. it gives you a good size variation in uh, like numbers you can roll. Yeah. So you're never even with like a lot of dice, you're not guaranteed to roll like a high number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also rewards you for having higher stats, and then you just do simple comparison for the math. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting so, yeah. idea. That's a, that's a fair and simple kind of balance between throwing a lot of dice and throwing unique dice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you know you want to use the D20s you have at home because you play D&D and you collect D and D30s are less common than D20s so you use D20s instead. It still works. All right. Is there any last thoughts on uh, table topic here, or shall we move on to video games? I think that's all the thoughts I have for now, Dave. I'm good. I'm good. Cool. All right. I'll rate this beer then. Uh, I don't remember if I had this on the podcast or not. Uh, the Atomic Pumpkin. I was talking about it a second ago. It's got the um, uh, habaneros in it with the. That, that really gives it a yeah. unique sort of a flavor because it's like mo- normal pumpkin spice is like, eh, it's whatever, it's cinnamon, it's fine. 
Uh, but this one has, uh, I think this one has cinnamon as well, but plus with the habaneros, it, it really kind of adds another layer of flavor that you very seldom get in a pumpkin beer. Cause a lot of times pumpkin beers are like, look at me, I'm pumpkin or look at me, I'm pumpkin yeah. and some cinnamon. And it's like, I feel like they're kind of boring a lot of the times because you know, they're there for the season. They do their job. And, but they're kind of generic at the same time because they're just there to sell to people because it's fall. So, uh, but yeah. I'm really glad with this one. It's a really unique one. Um, definitely recommend it. New Belgium is also a very large brewery, so they uh, yeah. distribute out quite a ways. So uh, even if you're not in yeah, Colorado, we have New Belgium. Yeah, check out the Voodoo Ranger Atomic Pumpkin. It's uh, says it's a limited or well it says special release so because i feel like i've seen this in stores the last couple of years uh so maybe it'll come back i don't know they're they're all on markdown at the grocery store it was glorious it was like six dollars six packs fuck yeah (laughs) Mm. uh if i can find that yeah that's that sounds amazing i like pumpkin beers and that that touch of habanero sounds fun yeah it's not really overwhelmingly good. spicy. It's not like a chili beer sure. or something. Uh, but right. it's, it's got enough kick in there. And that habanero really has a unique kind of a flavor to it anyways uh, that really sort of works with the pumpkin. Yeah. That I never would have thought to put habaneros with pumpkins. But uh, as a Colorado guy, I'm like, you know, put habaneros in everything, right? So we love our chilies here. Hell yeah. All right. So, shall we get into our video game topic? Yeah, the video game topic is uh, predictions for 2021 gaming. Which, uh, yeah. I hope someone else can start. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Um, I think we're finally going to see Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, I think it's going to get a trailer sometime middle of the year and i think it's gonna fucking drop in december and be their big ass holiday blowout uh that's uh that's kind yeah. of my, kind of my take um i think yeah the there is a possibility that it was delayed because covid so it might be pushed back to next year but uh i don't know i just got a gut feeling lately that i'm just like you know what i want to see breath of the wild too i think they could you know, push it through to do it because the development shouldn't take a, as long because they're obviously reusing a bunch of assets and all that. So uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what they have to show. At the very least, I think we'll see a trailer, you know, at some point. Uh, yeah. Even if it's pushed to 2022, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, then they're going to throw a trailer at the Game Awards and, you know, it's going to come up and, you know, I don't know, early next year sometime. Although I feel like it would really, uh, I, really hit well as a holiday game, though. Uh, so yes, I feel like if they can get it out this year at all, they're going to make it happen. Because nothing well, else that so, they could feasibly make could could compete with that, unless they have a like oh. a Mario Odyssey two in the works or some shit. Oh, that's in the works, but it's definitely not this year release. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, the only reason I say that's definitely in the works is because of Bowser's Fury. I know that the, the team that made Odyssey worked with the 3D World remake team or whatever report team to make that Bowser's Fury world a thing. And that's probably why you have the two-player co-op Bowser Jr. because that's it probably is going to function the exact same 
as the uh, the, the two player co op in Mario Odyssey, hmm. where your second player will control control Bowser Jr. and whatever, float around and collect coins and stuff like that that Mario maybe can't reach or whatever. Yeah. But my my thing is you mentioned the game awards being, you know, the the um the potential time that we'd see a Breath of the Wild 2 trailer. I think we'll see a trailer then, but I think before then, I I, I suspect that that'll be Nintendo's big story coming out of E3. Mm-hmm. That's that's my big thing for 2021 is how will E3 look and be handled? I think we'll see something very similar to what we saw this year with a very, very obviously digitally based platform for it or or event. Um, we we won't probably see the the in person thing again for obvious reasons. But to that, I think this year's version of it will be far more, far more organized and structured, and we'll we'll have a better sense of this is what E three looks like post twenty twenty. I, I think there'll be a clearer vision for how they want to approach it. Now that probably won't affect how Nintendo approaches it because they've been largely absent from the physical e3s or at least as far as like their big e3 presentation it's just been the nintendo direct as part of e3 and yeah. then they might have a show floor or whatever but i i think i think sony and microsoft and any indie developers anything like that like any any all that stuff will there'll be a better better organized way of distributing all that and putting it together this year than necessarily 2020 was mm-hmm. um the, the game awards from 2020 that happened whatever a couple of weeks ago in december a couple months ago i guess now a month ago or so um that was a cleaner version of like, hey, that we're doing an all digital event. This is what it looks like. You know, I, I that was that's something similar to what I think we might see out of E3. Obviously, not that consolidated, but condensed. But you know, the, all the 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 big three will have a core version of here's our host or here's our hosting team. These are what we're doing, and they'll have it more organized. So that's if I had to make one hard gaming prediction, you know, E3 is going to be again all digital, but better organized and easier to maybe engage with. Maybe that's the right way of describing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they've been getting like kind of further off of the industry event anyways uh from what they were originally so i think just kind of more of a focus having this year off might help them actually kind of get their shit together so to speak yeah they're you know they've had uh some rough times through the last few years especially you know they're apparently losing enough money that they have to you know 
get the uh you know have public tickets available and all that just to pay for the event and stuff so it's like maybe a digital only thing would mm-hmm. actually be a, a a better idea especially since like it's not just Nintendo other companies have been going more right than, uh digital with e3 as well well i mean uh and but nintendo sony did that last year with uh, sony did that last year because i remember the the mm-hmm. last of us 2 big presentation that was all remotely done and they, they had an audience there but it was for the large part like oh yeah this is just like for us insiders watching this i thought yeah Me- media represented yeah media representatives yeah. So seeing what exactly shapes up with the game awards or that's a E three. I, I fucked up, I have to drink. <laughs> but seeing exactly what happens with the E three I think will be interesting and kind of foretelling because I feel like they have to kind of shape up or ship out, so I feel like I, I think they'll they're gonna pull it together somehow, but how that exactly works, I don't know. Maybe they will just shift to a digital only event, because I mean it's it's so much of it is is public now on the internet through you know media sites and and stuff like that and and even just the fans are you know a lot of them are taking cell phone videos and shit of them playing the demos and stuff so like what would it really change to make it that other than you know i mean it it would be different because it you know it will lose that convention vibe and for the people that really love going there, that would be a major change. And obviously for fans that have, you know, wanted to go there for years and years and might be actually thinking about it, you know, they'll never get to go if it's a digital event. So it's, it's hard for right. me to really say what they'll do, well, and how much they're considering that and whatever, but you know, well, I mean, it's, you know, how much of, you know, this is live becomes, oh, this is five minutes ago with modern technology and modern internet. You know, it doesn't, right. you know, as soon as the trailer's sure out no within an hour, we have... of Hellblade. <laughs> within an hour, within an hour of, <laughs> within an hour of a trailer dropping, we have like in-depth 20 minute analyses of a, of a 10 minute, or of a, of a five minute, you know, reveal trailer or something like that. Like it's right. you know, the, the live aspect of it is, is already fading and it's you know, become because of the, the digital media realm. So it's mm-hmm. not a, not a huge stretch to just say, oh, let's just make it all digital. And then everybody gets it at the same time. It's, that's not a, it's not a big jump. I don't think. So why not? Why not take it and save yourself the hassle? Yeah, it sucks for the people who like going and want the the actual event, but yeah. Chris, give us a gaming prediction. Cool. Chris. I, I think I lost audio contact there for a second. Did you? But, uh, gaming, game. Uh, so we all know AI is improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got things like AI Dungeon and Arc Breeder, which uh, can generate uh, 
things that seem like they're created by human hands, uh, human story and human art. Uh, so my prediction for 2021 is for the AI to finally wake up and cast all of us in uh, roles in its a game of its choosing, where you know it plays with us as a child would play with ants, uh, using the magnifying glass, all that shit on us. Uh, and no, this is complete nonsense. I don't believe any of that. Uh, what I will say is. <laughs> Thank you for your John <laughs> What I will say is 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people. Uh, I think there were a lot of uh, people who would otherwise lose their, who had lost their jobs or were otherwise stuck inside, but uh, had a comfortable enough or at least raced enough living situation that they were able to stay, uh, keep the lights on, keep their home, uh, keep internet, their computers and anything, and uh, took that time to start working on games of their own. And I think 2021 will see an explosion in the indie developer scene due to this year having for some people at least given them a chance to get away from everything by forcing them to at possibly the expense of you know their financial situation or their other possible futures so i think there might be a silver lining in that we might see some really excellent games come out of this period of quarantine Sure. Drink to that. I'll drink to drinking to that. Yeah, that's actually a I think solid prediction. I, it's something I didn't really think about, but at the same time, as an artist myself, I feel like, you know, I had a lot more time spent in 2020 composing bagpipe tunes than i have in a like probably ever i feel like i composed more tunes last year than than any other year uh i was uh just talking about that earlier about you know it's one of those things that came out of you know my job situation and you know i had my job still but you know sometimes i had a f you know fairly large chunks to wait for you know my job to begin uh so i had to do something and our break room was closed so i'm just sitting in my truck by myself the whole time which was kind of shitty mm -hmm. but you know at the same time i'm like i got a lot of time to you know just practice my pipes keep them in tune and you know compose tunes so yeah and, and so that's that's actually something that i could really see now that you mention it from the indie developers to you know be like hey we have this time we're just at home you know we could we could actually do this thing you know some of them probably been talking about it for years you know if that's really their huh. thing then uh, know, i mean i it think it would be a great excuse to to have at it i think we can all kind of agree on the idea that 
you know, we hope that there's a you know a, a silver lining at the end of the the dark tunnel that was 2020 and the start of 2021 you know and i i think that 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 may be it you know that all the all the people who have that creative side and just haven't had the time or haven't had the the ability because of all the weights of the of regular life so to speak you know holding them back you know did you know all the people that got that opportunity to dig into their their creative side you know what what is to come what what's going to come out of that you know and as as dark a time it is as it is you know the what what's the, the old saying there the darkest night is right before the the brightest dawn or something like that mm-hmm. you know you know a lot of creatives might be might have had a really really rough 2020 or or start of 2021 and you know that 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 turn that time may be may be coming for them mm-hmm. so i'm i'm hopeful for 2021 i think 2021 still has a chance to shake off a lot of the dark that was 2020 even considering the thing the thing i mentioned last podcast that happened early 2021 Mm -hmm. then uh i i think 2021 still has a chance at being a really great year and that with the vaccine coming out here people getting back together we might have the opportunity to see brand new people pitch games kind of in-person games that they had the opportunity that they had not not so much the opportunity but that they were kind of forced to work on because nobody could really go out mm-hmm. oh. all right who's got another prediction Game Boy Online. Nintendo is going to put their Game Boy catalog online. Um, just like the Super Nintendo. Uh, but the, the the big sell will be uh, Minish Cap as part of that. Minish Cap and the Oracle games. And then they'll put Metroid 2 on You'll it. Be able they'll to never play. put Samus Returns on it just because they hate Metroid fans. <laughs> Metroid's Metroid's, uh, 35th? What? (laughs) Metroid's anniversary? What? They have an anniversary? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like Metroid will never really have an anniversary celebration because instead they will capitalize on the Zelda celebration. Because that's that's as much of a. As much as Metroid deserves it, it has to go up against zelda and that's nintendo's looking at that like mm, zelda okay so do they, we, they, they don't do we advertise they'll send a tweet selling nintendo will send a tweet out regarding metroid and that'll be it <laughs> i feel like i wandered around this area for way too long trying to figure out what to do because the, I, I i feel like i'm missing something without the audio here i'm like what do i do so i just walk in here and i press the action button is all i had to do but i walked in here like three times trying to figure out what the fuck i'm doing 
I thought about that about your uh, the first section that you were on for like the first hour here. Yeah, I'm like, because usually you know you got the voices <laughs> in your head that are you know kind of sometimes they'll give you hints a little bit. It's a clever way that the game kind of gets you to keep going and and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of clever too because sometimes it's like they're like egging you on like oh she's so stupid she'll never figure out that that's the thing and sometimes it's like uh you know oh wow she actually did okay so it's it's a really kind of an interesting kind of mental process of that that really immerses you in senua's world uh i think it's a really super awesome uh yeah um yeah i am gonna say a prediction that Metroid will get nothing for its 35th anniversary. Nothing at all. No celebration, no game, nothing. Not even a Metroid Prime 4 trailer. Maybe a tweet on the day of. But not from, like, the Nintendo Twitter. It'll be, like, retweeted from, like, uh, like Metroid Database. Right? (laughs) Not even an official (laughs) Metroid Twitter but the but you know the the big <laughs> Metroid fan site will be like, hey guys, it's the thirty fifth, and and like if they're lucky, Nintendo of America will retweet it. Not not Nintendo of Europe, not Nintendo of Japan, just America. <laughs> Sad but plausible. <laughs> uh, Metroid. <laughs> follow Metroid. Speaking, they're full of fun tweets. Speaking, Things that'll be totally ignored. I think Star Fox will be totally ignored this year. You don't think the Star Fox Grand Prix rumors from a few years ago are going to come true suddenly? No. (laughs) No, I don't. Star Fox Adventures 2. I also think it's the year of no more F-Zero as long as we're on this bandwagon. (laughs) Mother 3 is getting ported. Mother 3 will get a port, but it'll be, like, to Game Boy Color. Just, like... It'll get a Wii... It'll get a Wii release, like, Just Dance 2020. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um... That's the thing. Let's just, let's just, take, out, a, let's uh, just take a drink for... Yeah, all that bullshit. Let's take a drink for all the forgotten franchises. <laughs> yeah, one for take each drink. or one for all of them collectively? Because because we could be here a while. F-Zero, mother. Mm-hmm. You know, because yep. Captain Falcon is, is so much forgotten that they literally gave his catchphrase to Hestu in Age of Calamity. <laughs> In one of his moves, he says, show me your moves. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. I caught that. I caught that. I laughed so hard. Mo. I was like, I was what are like, you doing? Oh, like, my I'm, God. Let's do just Captain Falcon. Captain Falcon is dead. They gave his catchphrase away and everything. He's done. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. It's like, oh, my God. This is amazing. And, and sad at the same time. There's never going to be another F-Zero yep. game. We can just give up now. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, any other bold predictions or crazy left field or semi-reasonable predictions? We don't judge here. We'll take any kind of predictions. Mm-hmm. 
that I can think of. Okay. I mean, I feel like we're going to see something Silent Hill. It's just because there's it's all sorts of like news and rumors about that. Oh, another but... Another what? what was that? Another pachinko machine? <laughs> uh, Would I get that if I, I played Silent I, I, Hill? <laughs> no, uh, it's I'm, like I'm the, um, that's the mm-hmm. yeah, that's like they they have like the the game machines over there in Japan, mm-hmm. and Konami's that's like their primary source of revenue, so they kind of stopped focusing mm-hmm. on games and started. And they made like a bunch of pachinko machines of game franchises as opposed to, you know, making video games. Making games. Yep. Okay. Sounds legit. No, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I remember seeing something about like the developer was the original creator of Silent Hill was, there was a news article about it or something. And it, it, so I'm just thinking that we might see something Hill. Something Silent Hill this year. I don't know if it'll be a game. I don't know if it'll be like some random Netflix series because like everything gets a Netflix series nowadays. Why not? Right. But yeah, yeah that's that's the only other prediction I could think of really. All right. Yeah, that could be interesting. Uh, I'm gonna think. I'm going to say Halo Infinite is going to come out and it's going to be like pretty great and I'm going to like it and I feel like I'm going to be in the minority and most of the people are going to just bitch about how bad it is for some reason. Yeah. Sure. Not that the internet needs something to bitch about, but... Yeah, why not? Right? They've got plenty of stuff to bitch about, and they always bitch about the dumbest things instead of the, you know, good things to bitch about. I always feel like there's something better to bitch about than, you know, like the national decks not being in Pokemon. That's one of the things I was going to hey, bring up when hey, we were talking about hey. Pokemon Snap. Uh, is uh, Pokemon Snap looks so much better than Sword and Shield, just graphically. Oh my god, yes. Like, oh I'm yeah. like... This is what we could have had in Sword and Shield if you all weren't bitching about the national decks, right? If they would just, like, streamline a game, focus on, you know, 300 Pokemon, maybe, it'd be fine. It, and and we could have this level of graphics in a mainline Pokemon game instead of, you know, the laggy bullshit that, that is the wild area that's, like, it's a it's such a cool concept, and it's... It's fun to play in anyway, but like the graphics really just tank hard when you're in the graphic in the in the wild area. And it's like if they could have like focused on fixing this instead of focusing on putting in 800 fucking Pokemon, then I think the game would have been better because I didn't catch half of the 800 Pokemon. Most people didn't. There's there's a few. Sure. Yeah. Everybody, you know, some people just well, really I mean, want hundred percent everything, but come on. I mean, you gotta catch them all, right? <laughs> I mean, I, you just I, gotta I catch a fucking like psychic ponyta and fuck everybody up with that. That's all you gotta do. 
I I would like to see like a like a full Pokedex in a game, but at the same time, why not just make that DLC? Why not focus on making a a, a great game? Give us you know the, the high end of what you what everybody really wants, and then go back and be like, hey, in this you know in patch 2.0, we're adding a hundred Pokemon from the the Galar region or yeah. or whatever region was previous, and then add another. You know, twenty. You know, we're adding another hundred Pokemon. You know, let let that be just constant DLC, or even patches. You know, or patch in a few and add the rest in DLC. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe maybe I maybe I'm not as much of a Pokemon fan as as some, and just don't. Yeah, you know, I haven't really played a haven't legitimately played a Pokemon since Ruby. Mm-hmm. I think it was so. It, it's been a minute, but I just. There's better JRPGs out there. Mm-hmm. There are. I mean, I like Pokemon. I usually get them. Uh, I skipped Gen 3 and 4 and then kind of came back. Because, you know, in Gen 3, I was like, oh, I'm in middle school. I'm too big of a kid for Pokemon. <laughs> and then yeah, in college, was I was just like, me. oh my god, black and yep. white. It's so fucking cool. I'm a Pokemon nerd again. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, and and then I've been like, you know, once a generation, I'll get something, you know, whatever it is. I, I won't usually get every game, but, you know, I'll get like, I got pretty much once a generation. It's like, that's fine. Just enough to scratch that itch, and then I can put it down again until something else comes out. Um, nope. What could be some interesting, I've, I feel like there's been a lot of rumors floating around for Pokemon lately of... Uh, specifically, a lot of people are saying Diamond and Pearl remakes, but also I feel like a lot of people are saying Let's Go Johto because of how successful the Let's Go Kanto were, and I would actually be more on Mm. board with that, not because I like the gameplay better, but because, like, I fucking love Johto. (laughs) It's just my favorite region. I want a Cyndaquil to just, you know, walk behind me. I love that the Pokemon walk behind you and you know that's that's one of those things that I love from the original uh, Johto games. Was it the original Johto? No, it was it was Soul Silver and Heart Gold. Uh, those yeah. ones had the Pokemon walking behind you, and I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. And that's another one where like it was streamlined in that remake that it was down to the original 150 Pokemon or 151 because yeah you could get mew with the if you bought the extra pokeball and that you know that that was kind of bullshit but at the same time it's like okay whatever you know it's it's a special thing sure i'll I'll let it slide because it's mew right and that game in my opinion looked so much better than fucking sword and shield as well because it's exactly what i just said it was streamlined they didn't have to worry about all this bullshit you know, putting in 800 Pokemon, they got 150 Pokemon worked and and put them in, and and it was fine. So, speaking of Mew, my my son just unlocked the Mew hat in Pokemon Smile nice. the other night. And he loves got it. That there, it's that's such a cool one too. I I didn't expect the Mew hat, and then when my kids got it, it was like that is so cool. Yes, he, he has two more hats to unlock. So. As long as he keeps wanting to play it when he brushes his teeth, we'll find out what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
what a weird concept like totally total sidebar I here but like not... what a weird concept that's awesome yeah i did not expect that to be like as good as it is as a parent like i was like huh my kids will get bored of this but they love it every fucking night right. and they were so hyped when we were watching the pokemon direct and it was like they were like dad can you download it now we need pokemon smile i was like oh my god why is okay. this such a sure. cool concept to you but okay and it yep it works it i'm like yeah. dude we're brainwashing our kids to brush their teeth through pokemon that's fucking great oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that that's like the Pokemon Smile or um, uh, Pokemon Snap, like that's the thing that I'm most excited for with it is to see my kid's reaction to playing Pokemon Snap because he loves like the camera feature in Breath of the Wild. Hmm. But we have it on the, now that we have it on the Switch, like he can really get like the full use of the camera, and he um, he loves that. And hmm. so like I think he's gonna love Pokemon Snap when that comes out. Like that'll be. Like, he will always be asking us to play that. Like, he asks us to play Breath of the Wild right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited about Pokemon Snap as well. Um, I think that's going to be game of the year. I think everything else is going to suck. Unless Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. And then, then it's going to be, like, second best. Yep. <laughs> but, I don't know. I feel like there will be some random thing that catches my attention that ends up being ridiculously more awesome than I ever anticipated. I feel like that happens a lot where I'm just like, I didn't really think about this going into this year. And now that we're here, it's like, how did I not see this coming? This is like the greatest thing. Final Fantasy seven remake part two. There you go. You think that'll drop this year? I'm almost so there was a bunch of I saw a rumor the other day about um, about a trailer potentially being dropped in mid February whenever the Final Fantasy Orchestra concert is as Nomura is yeah. supposed to show up there and I guess that when Kingdom Hearts three was coming out like that was he they they shut up they surprise dropped a trailer for Kingdom Hearts three at a Kingdom Hearts concert hmm. that he was attending or that he was a part of. So I wonder if we might get to see a trailer next month. Okay. Or at least a, a, a teaser for it. Yeah. I'm not expecting it this year. Um, I feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake was so big uh, just by itself that the other chapters are going to take a little while in development. Uh, so I would expect it no earlier than 2022. But, uh, you know, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, it's maybe a teaser. Maybe like, yeah. a, maybe like a, just like a, maybe a teaser this year. Yeah, I could see that. See, you know, and then come out next year. Um, I think that's probably the best we can hope for. This, it could be even longer than that. You know, it's, it's, it's Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> you know, I have no oh. idea. And it's, it's hard to tell too, because like, with how relatively little of the game this was, it's like, are they going to chunk it out evenly and make the next th three to four hours into its own 40-hour game? Or because you're into a more open area now, are they going to, you know, use more total of the game because it'll just take more time Yeah. places? I don't know. So I, I don't think it'll be quite as even spread. Uh, 
with the next couple chapters. And especially since if they do literally the same amount of hours of gameplay to remake, uh, it'll end up like being like 10 volumes or something. Just insane. Take Part 3 will be coming out on the PS... Yeah. Right. Part 3 will be coming out on the PS6. Part 4 will be rolled out on the PS7. <laughs> and yeah. don't get us started on Part 5. Mm-hmm. That'll be PS9. Yeah. <laughs> I am excited for Final Fantasy 16 uh, on PS5. I think yeah. that's going to be my first, like, I need a PS5 now game. Any other gaming predictions? We've been going actually quite a while now, so we could call it there unless anybody has any last-minute predictions. I'd be for calling it. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. As always, my name is Spamo Man, or Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as I am known at places. You can find me here every Friday night. Um, we're live-streaming the podcast um as well as it'll be available in audio version on podbean and uh apple podcasts uh later on friday night after we're done live streaming and i can upload it and all that fun stuff uh you can also find me on two guys playing zelda.com earlier today we released our uh two guys playing zelda awards so the tgpz awards for 2020 is all of our staff picks uh, for the best games of 2020, as well as we opened up the voting to uh, the fans on our Discord server this year. So we had a handful of voters from just uh, people who hang out with us in the TGPZ Discord. Uh, there's a lot of fun discussion over there in the Discord, so if you're big into Discord, check out the TGPZ server. Um, and uh, yeah, I also just published an article earlier this week on TGPZGaming.com. Uh, which is all about Hellblade uh, and why I think it's a generation-defining kind of experience. Uh, so check that out uh, if you've, especially if you've enjoyed this gameplay. Uh, you know, th- this is kind of boring because I, I I feel like this is another where I'm walking around in circles. Like, where the fuck am I going in this cave? I, I, maybe the audio cues would have been giving me some idea, but I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't remember as much of this part as I would like to in order to (laughs) complete this efficiently. But uh, awesome, awesome experience. Uh, Go by Hellblade. Uh, And, uh, of course, we are joined, as always, by my co-host. Hey, I'm Chris. I bet you were expecting more. Chris, I bet you were expecting more. Audet? Audet, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, normally this is the part where I would show the thing, but, uh, I'll show the thing another time. There's, there's too much Hellblade to shill. Yeah. And of course, thank you as always to our special guest, whenever we have a special guest, uh, and, uh, Dave, we'd love having you on. So where can people find you and, uh, can we buy your book yet? No, you can't buy my book yet. I'm working that out. I've reached out to LegalZoom.com recently to uh, get some more information about how to go about this. So more information to come still. Uh, but as far as following me, you can hit me up over on Twitter at DaveWayne09. Or if you just care about my Zelda story that I don't update my Twitter nearly enough about, uh, you can follow that at uh, Zelda Tewa 
at Zelda at Zelda Tewa, um, which is the Arrow Without a Hero acronym, and I'm far too many beers in to try to think that out. So T-E-W-A-H? words. T E W A H. Zelda. Hey, Apparently, I'm not enough beers in. I have to catch up. Drink. <laughs> All right. And we have been on Drink to the Past officially. And now is the final portion of the podcast where we just talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward and I cut off the podcast. I'm trying to mouse over here and the mouse is in Hellblade instead of where I want it to be. <laughs> uh, this, the, the, I am like cramping in my hand here because I'm using my Xbox One controller because I happen to have a micro USB cable already hooked up and I am regretting it because you have to hold the the left bumper on the controller in order to sprint. So I'm doing that most of the time just to make the game, you know, play a little faster. And and it's 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 the Xbox One controller is not very good for that. I regret not hooking up my Xbox 360 controller like I usually do. Also, this cord is tiny. Where the fuck did I get this cable? Shit. But still, great game. Oh. Check it out. All right. Um, it looks good. I've been enjoying watching it here. I need to play it. Yes, you do. Apparently. All right. Who's going to say something awkward first? Uh, turns? I'm just reading. This is something about hand cramps. Hand I'm thinking cramps. thinking about when I was 13. Hmm. Oh. I was thinking not, about when you were 13. Not awkward too. enough. Oh. Is that awkward enough? I think it was, except then I pushed the wrong button, so I'm still streaming. Fuck. I I fucked up. Sorry, guys. That's my bad. I have to drink. I don't want to know that you were thinking You're drinking wrong at home. Go ahead and drink. I I don't want to know you were thinking about 13-year-old Sean. Mm. 